Good day, everybody. Fourth uh, of July for everybody stateside. Happy Independence Day. Um, if you like elk hunting, you're going to dig this next episode. Uh, we've got uh, from Elk Nut Outdoors, Paul Medell uh, coming on the show. So stay tuned for that. All you elk hunters out there, check this episode out. Great info, great content. Um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty cool guy to talk to. Anyways, stay tuned. Paul Medell, the elk nut, coming up next. Uh, good day, everybody. Uh, like to give a quick introduction to our. Uh, our fellow that we're talking with today, the man behind Elk Nut Outdoors, Paul Medell. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Really appreciate you talking with us, uh, spending some time uh, going through some of your content. So, like to welcome you. Yeah, and, no problem, Jason. But thank you very much for having me. Um, so, you have some pretty unique uh, views on on elk linguistics and uh behavior um and and just how you express them and you put that stuff out in an online and uh phone app as well as having some dvds and things like that available so yes sir yes sir we do what uh where did elk not outdoors start well, it started here in Idaho. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, quite a few years ago, and uh, it, it's just—it seems like I've always had a passion for elk, even when I was just a youngster, you know. And, and 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 I guess the most difficult difficult part for me, and maybe the thing that led to the sincerity and really wanting to know about it, is I came from a non-hunting family. Nobody hunted. I'd never hunted a day in my life. Nobody deer hunted, bird hunted, did anything, but. I just would see things on TV, a black and white TV, where they would talk a little bit about elk hunting. I mean, when I was just a little kid, and it inspired me. There was something about that animal over anything I ever watched that I just needed to know more. And as time went on, I ended up moving to the state of Idaho. I mean, my goodness, 40 years ago, a long, long time ago. <laughs> and it, it just, I had that want to get out there and to know more about the elk. And so I would go out there and sit with them, you know, way before seasons ever started. And, you know, as far as archery season or rifle seasons, I would just watch them and listen to them, and i try to get closer, getting braver, and, 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 and not say anything. Just watch their behavior and, and, and their vocalization. And that kind of led into elk hunting as well. So, you know, you got to see one side of them outside of writing times and then in writing times. And, and, and so putting all that together... I was able to start understanding the different sounds that they made and, their, and, and the message that they were sending, whether it was a cow or bull. And this took a lot of years. Don't think it just took a couple of trips out there. I mean, year after year after year, I would learn things. And then I would try to cement them. You know, I had to hear them repetitiously lots of times in different situations to be accurate with the message I felt they were sending. You can't just be there and hear one or two things and say, oh, this applies all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I tried that at first, like everybody else does, but 
I realized in time that there was more to it, or it wasn't inaccuracy, it was more like clarifications and making sure, and, and, and of course, over a period of time, it's led to our success. Others saw the success that we were taking elk every single year on over-the-counter hunts when most hunters weren't shooting anything, yeah. and this, this got into bow hunting. 30 years ago, I started bow hunting, and I rifle hunted there at first, but then got into bow hunting with my son when he first turned 12 years old, and we bow hunted Ever since he's 42, this will be our 30th year, and we kill elk every single year with our bows on over-the-counter hunts. And in uh, and, and the beginning, people would see how see the success, you know, and, 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 and they would just say, how are you doing it? So I started sharing some of the sounds that I had learned and how I was using it against them. And because we hunt so much, you know, a lot like you guys, some of that dark timber or really thick stuff, you don't see anything in much of the country. So we had to listen to to an elk or to get them to respond and then we would read their emotion behind their sound and that is what's sending the message just like if you listen to your dog if you listen to your dog give a growl or a bark or a whine in time you start to recognize what that whine means what the dog is trying to say to you if he's just kind of growling and what if he's tugging on a toy and you're tugging on the other end oh yeah he's growling so it's a growl a growl though or is a bark a bark from a dog? What if he's outside and you're inside and all of a sudden you hear him growling, going, wah, 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 barking like crazy, going nuts? You're going, that's not the same growl he was using inside the house when we were playing. Or a little friendly bark here and there because it's time to eat or he wants some attention. You could tell by his aggressiveness, the emotion and the intensity behind it. This is something I need to go check out. There's something going on out there. But there's still a bark and it's still a growl. But you notice the difference in intensity or emotion the dog started to spend in, and you had to take action to, to find out what's happening. This is what elk do. They can raise their voice, or they can get it soft, or they can raise it to a yell or a scream, and everything is there's a reason behind it. And as I started understanding that, I realized they had different sounds or tones to their bugles as well as cow calls, and they were sending a message as they made these sounds to their wants or needs or a warning or an invite, whatever it was. And so I started applying this into archery elk hunting because that's where close encounters are important. And there's actually three other guys that are with us. You know, there's five of us total, and we've been together this entire time. We don't hunt together. They hunt on their own, and I hunt on my own. My son hunts. You know, we'll hunt as tag team, my son and I. But the other three are still on their own. It's not like we hunt as a group. And we've killed over 200 bulls, over-the-counter bulls in, the, in that last 29 years. And all from these sounds, and I started sharing them. And we've all come together, you know, and, and, and just kind of talk about as the season goes on, how things are going, what, what do they see is working more than another thing. And, and so the sounds are very important as an elk hunter, especially when you're hunting pressured elk. If you're hunting elk that never hear other hunters, or have a lot of intrusion, and they're being beat up and harassed by, you know, groups of hunter after hunter after hunter, then they get educated. That's our And elk. those are the elk that we're taking. But the only way you can take those type of bulls is you have to be believable in your sounds. I found that out because this, these areas that we're hunting, it's between a 5 and 8% chance of a success rate for a bull or cow with your bow. And all of us are 100%. We kill them. As a matter of fact, we take way more than that. We usually take anywhere from eight to ten bulls a year because so, we, we call for others. 
And so, I mean, you know, how many states can you get into? Like, oh, uh, we're just, I'm, are, I'm hunting one a year usually. Okay. So once in a while, twice of the year. Yeah. But most of the time, it's all just one one state and, and then monster areas. We go all over. Gotcha. It's not like we're hunting this one little draw and we're lucky and the elk are always there. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you got like spread that. out and cover some country. <laughs> oh, there's times we don't take an elk until the last week of the season. And, and we're hunting every day because these elk get pressured. And we have a ton of wolves here. I mean, a lot. And so we got the wolves, we got the pressure, we got the mountain lions, bears, just same as everybody else, you know, in most cases. But we just have all that. It's, it's a challenge. Yeah. And there's a reason why the kill rate is 5 to 8% for a bull or cow, because it's extremely tough. And so basically 92 to 95% of the people that hunt these areas of Idaho don't take anything, nothing. And, and, and so it's only a, you know, a handful that are being successful year in and year out. And it's usually the same guys, you know, are very close to it, you yeah. know, that, oh, yeah. uh, that, that are showing the effectiveness. So sharing the reasons and the, and the know-how of what makes it successful has led to Elfnet Outdoors. And it started all the way from, well, it's been, what, like 21 years, I think, when I first started it. And it just all started because guys saw our success and they found out how I was doing it. And they started saying, you know what? You should try to get a DVD out or anything. I, well, I shouldn't even say that. It was VHS and cassettes. That's what it was. Yeah. I'm, you know, you get wrapped up into current stuff, but it was, no, it was VHS. So I thought, well, what the heck? Yeah, maybe I'll put something together. And then I did, and then another, and another, and another, and then I wrote a book. And, you know, it just all kind of snowballed little by little. I was a masonry contractor, Jason, for 35 years. And so I had a company, you know, but so I could get away when I wanted. A little bit of flexibility. But anyway, Elfnet Outdoors, pardon me? A little bit of flexibility with your own uh, schedule. Yeah. yeah, and I always lived in a smaller town, so it wasn't like there was a million people here. Most of the towns I've lived in were like 2,500 people, and they happened to be resort areas. So the projects and the homes we, 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 we did work on were rather large. Yeah. And so you, you, two or three jobs in a year, and you'd be done. They were that big. They, oh. they would keep you there that long, you know. But it just kind of, you know, that's how it, 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 it led into elk hunting, and, and I do other types of hunting. But nothing touches my heart and soul like elk. There's just something about it that yes, beating them at their own game. I've taken elk in every imaginable way that you can. With I've, I've taken quite a few, and my son has as well, with trad gear. We've taken them with uh, compounds, muzzleloader, rifle. We've taken them with everything from tree standing to spot and stock, water holes, ambushing, uh, calling. And that's why I fall on the calling. Because it's the most exciting. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking elk in those other avenues. Yeah. But when I find the calling and bringing them to me, and I don't mean them sneaking into me either, and I'm talking about vocalization on both parts, it is so exciting. And here I am, 64 years old, and I can't wait to hear my next bugle. It's just that addicting. Yeah, and, I hear you know, you so I like taking other people out to see their success. But you know what I mean? Elk hunting, there's something special about it. Yeah, it's kind of magical. Uh, <laughs> just the calling. Good and, word. And, and when good, you, good word right there. <laughs> when you get a bull in and up tight and he turns and looks through you and screams in your face, you you got him hook, line, sinker right there. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, the, the, the cool thing about it is, as you get good at it, and what good means, that means you start understanding what's going on, when you should make a sound, when you shouldn't, when you should make a specific sound, because you're communicating with them. You're not just making elk sounds. And that's why you see a lot of this stuff, like on the YouTube there's, there's some popular ones out there these days, and these guys are really good callers. They really are. I mean, listen to their sounds. They're excellent. But look how many elk they don't get. Yeah. It's one after another, after another, after another. And then they finally get one that says, oh, here's one that's going to play and cooperate with our sounds. You see, that's not an elk caller. That's a guy that makes elk sounds, and finally he gets something to commit. That's not my style of elk hunting. Yeah. My style of elk hunting is reading every single bull and bringing him in. That's my style. It's I hear the bugle, I read his emotion, I immediately can tell you that bull's got cows. That bull doesn't have cows. That's a satellite hanging around a herd. That's a herd bull. I can't see any of this. And he's, he, there must be a satellite around him because he's warning him back. So see, he's painting a picture in my mind's eye without seeing anything just by hearing it. And so I go, okay, here's what I need to do if I'm after the satellite. I'm going to dictate or tailor my calling to that bull right there. I know I'm not going to get the herd bull, so I'm going to leave him alone. He's going to call. There's no doubt he's going to vocalize as I, as I try to pull the satellite over. Or if it's the opposite, I can't use satellite tactics to kill the herd bull. I have to switch gears completely. You see, and maybe I see a bull with 12 cows, 15, 3, doesn't matter, and he's not saying anything. I All right, I got I to gotta switch gears with that bull. I know I have to play on his instinct to breed. That's how I'm going to pull him over to me. If I play on his instinct to breed, when he has a hot cow, not going to work. Yeah. Won't work with that bull. It'll work with a satellite. So how do I know? Because I have been like everybody else and busted my rear, went through all the trial and errors over so many years, and my son and I have called over 1,000 bulls to bow range, and that is a real number. So you get a lot of gut feelings. You get a lot of playback of what can happen when you're in this situation or that one or this one. You see... Because we've been through it so many times. And plus, we're reading them. We can read the intensity or emotion of their sound. If it's a lazy bed bugle, just something lethargic, you see, or, or if we're hearing a cow. And, and it, it, what kind of sound is she making? Is she just trying to, to communicate with a small group that's around her? Maybe they're moving from feeding to bedding or bedding to feeding. And you'll hear them kind of going, meow, meow, Popular sounds with hunters use. But all it's saying is there's an elk there. They're not asking for anything. There's no assistance necessary. They are keeping in contact as they're just chirping and chattering, moving through. But if one of those cows or a yearling or whatever does not start to respond back and communicate within a reasonable amount of time, meaning, you know, 60 seconds as they move, they keep in contact with each other, especially in the timber where they can't see one another because, you know, they're not parading down there, and they don't have iPhones. You can't text each other. They don't do any of that. They don't have earphones. They have nothing. And so when something doesn't answer, one of the cows, it can be the lead cow, century cow, the mother, you know, whatever it is, if something's not right, all of a sudden she changes her tone and tries to get that elk that's not responding back to respond. So instead of her giving those social cow sounds, you'll hear her make a different tone, and she'll make something like this. She'll go, yeah. You see, it's no more. Yeah, yeah. It's no more of that. The intensity so, on it, and 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 a little more volume. And what she's doing is asking them where they're at and to come back. 
or to respond to them or give her them a visual. She wants a visual. She wants to know they're okay. If they still don't answer, you'll hear her lengthen it out. Just like if you have a, a son out there or, or a daughter or your wife or girlfriend, whatever it is, and she's, you guys are out there dinking around, moving through the timber, and all of a sudden you don't hear one of your kids, you see, what do you do? Do you go, Joey? Hey, Joey. Joey, no, no answer. I forget it. No. You kind of have a little concern. You go, you raise your voice, Joey, and you hope he's answering. If he doesn't, you go, Joey. You start getting louder and longer with concern behind it. This is what elk did. The same thing. You'll hear her go, and lengthen it. She may do it five or six times and loud. If no answer, she ramps it up and even gets louder and starts moving ahead quicker, trying to find him. She's in search of. And she usually will contact them. They connect back, and on they go. But if I only hear these things, I don't see any of it. I know what's going on. I know exactly there's a group of elk over there. There's at least two, and there's no doubt more than that. So I'm listening to these sounds, and this is just a short demonstration of what I'm doing, and I understand what it means to them. So I use them against them. I'm calling the boy. He's not coming. He's hanging up. I start calling him over to me. You see, I'm asking him to come. I'm not, meow, 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 scream a bugle, like everybody is on, you yeah. can see it all. And yeah, once in a while, one, one, one will play. But when you start communicating with them and say, no, I want you coming over here, you change your tone, and here they come, because this is elk talk. Just like if I told you, hey, Jason, come on over here. And you, okay, if you're not, and if you're further away, what do I got to do? I got to raise my voice, because you can't hear me. You're, you're 100 yards away. You're not 10 yards away or 5 feet from me where I can lower my voice. So, see, elk will do the same thing depending on the distance that they're, that they're trying to relay their message. So that's what you're hearing when you hear different volumes or different lengths of that volume. But once you get it down, there's really only a handful of sounds that each gender makes. All you got to do is listen to the emotion, the same as a bugle. You have a location bugle? Does it sound anything like a challenge bugle? No. You can tell the aggressiveness. And the, and, 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 and the abrasive action behind the challenge, whereas a location bugle is non-intimidation, doesn't have that hair-raising effect. You see, and as they, and as they can get upset, frustrated, mad, they can, they can switch to that challenge or anything in between. Maybe a little bit heavier tone than a challenge, uh, uh, than a location, but not as heavy as an outright burst scream to the top of his lungs. Depends on the situation, so that's how you play the game. You play the game and read the emotion and try to stay within that range. I, I, will, I will raise the ante here and there, depending how I am escalating things. Again, all depends on the bull. Once you understand it, you'll know when to rake. You'll know when to rattle, which are imitating two bulls, maybe messing with a cow that you've been imitating. And, you know, you're planting that seed in these other elks of mine that you, anytime two bulls start harassing each other and, 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 and sparring, and clicking, and you enter the cow sounds, generally she's trying to show she's coming into heat. She has signs of estrogen. These bulls are competing for her. This can show, you paint that picture in a real bull's eyes that's kind of hanging up or not coming, and you know he's there. You'd be, you'd be shocked how fast they come running in. They want to check the area. They've got to smell that cow. They're not coming in to fight the two bulls. They're coming in to check the cow. And yeah, so, they need there's so many little things that you can do. There. Oh, people rely on just bugling and a cow call, and they think that's all there really is to it. When that's just like the 
I mean, that is as rookie as it can get. You know, it really is. And I don't care how great you are. If that's all you can do, you're going to call one in 10 elk. You yeah. really are. That's it. Instead of 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10. And, and that's the difference. And so we try to tailor all our calling to the bull. Those bulls are like us, Jason. They're flesh and blood. They have their own personalities, their own minds. They don't, their testosterone levels are not at the same height equally every single day. They're not partially programmed. I don't care how much you want to think that. They're not. But people think they are, and that's why you use the same sound system for every bull. They do it automatically because they think that they're just supposed to run in because it's the rut. Well, that doesn't work like that because cows don't come into heat every day. They just don't. So sometimes you have to play on their instinct to breed. Other times you just invite them over. Other times you play on their curiosity. You get them excited, especially with the rattling or I go to my slow play. Anytime you start using one of those strategies, you have to know why you're using and what to expect. And so once you can play those different things out, you will see you will call bull after bull after bull. In. And I don't care how heavily hunted these things are. You just have to play it smart and be believable in your, in your tactic. You see, and because the elk can read this, they get busted all the time, whether they're seeing somebody or winding them, or they can tell these imposter calls these days because guys are so predictable and they're calling. And so once, you know, I start... Uh, you know, really targeting the bull and seeing what he wants. That is when I noticed years and years ago that our call-ins just went through the roof. And so I started sharing this through the DVDs, the CDs, the book. And then about a year and a half ago, we came up with the app. Yeah, And, yeah, you know, you can hear stuff. all the sounds on it. Yeah, you know, you, you, you've kind of dinked with it a little bit. And yeah, so you can no, see that it, 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 it can really educate a person. It uh, it has bull cow, bull cow calf, uh, call pointers. You name it, it's in there. Tactics. <laughs> uh, actual. You can call sounds. into it and record yourself. Yeah, record yourself. Like um, a- after hearing a, a couple of the, the podcasts where where you were featured on there, I uh, I was really intrigued with. Okay, I I had to find out more because I <laughs> I've been hunting elk for probably around that same ballpark 20 22 years and mm-hmm. it I wasn't very successful until about the last maybe 10 years. And then I started up in my odds to where I'm 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 about 50/50 right now whether I get a bull or not. And, uh, after going through the app and Jason, that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm understanding that now. I mean, we're pretty fortunate that in our group, we managed to get, you know, two, sometimes three bulls in a year, but I see the potential for a lot more and just a huge amount of improvements after going through some of the sequences that are in your app and just going, Oh man, this is what's going on. Now I understand after hearing the bull sounds and, and hearing you do them. Um, that was just the, the deal maker right there. Uh, I have been in so many of these situations and you hear the bull bark at you 
boom, everybody freezes up. Okay. Time frame in there uh, and bull is gone. Why? You froze up. You didn't give him what he was asking for. And you have the answers in this app for what he's asking for. So. You have a very good evaluation of it. That, that, you know, and that's just a real small, you know, description of it. And it's right on the money. And so when you start, you know, laying out the other things that, that generally happen. I mean, like you say, you guys do good. You guys are taking L. But we can always all do better. And, and so what we're doing is. A lot of these guys that hunt, you know, Jason, they don't have the luxury that, that some of us have that we live in elk country. They can only come out and hunt, and maybe they can hunt five to eight days. Maybe they have ten, and there's two days of travel. And so what happens is they go out there, and maybe they're only going to have one, two, or three encounters. They don't have the luxury of hitting ten bulls to kill one. So I try to give them the information that they can take advantage of every single opportunity that arises. Yeah, no, That's it's, important to it's them. in there. They don't have that much time. Um, I, you know, they spend a lot of money, tags, gas, you know, all their equipment, thousands of dollars in hopes of just having an opportunity. You know, they're not trying to kill the biggest bull in the world out there. They're just hoping to have an opportunity and enjoy it. And so when I started putting this information out, I was helping them cut the learning curve way, way down. Oh, you know, because I don't want people to misunderstand this. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't replace boots on the ground. Nothing does. You need that personal experience. But once you start going over information that's provided, it's like instructions to put a swing set together. Yeah. Something as simple as that. If you have no instructions and you get these three boxes to put swing sets and slides, you will be putting them together and taking things apart and putting this on and taking them apart because you didn't read the instructions. doesn't mean you could never do it. But yeah. you could do it in a hundredth the time if you read the instructions. And that's what Here's I try to do. Is I try to right here. Well, you know, you Elf, try to yeah. Up. You share with them the sounds and what to expect and what to look forward to. You don't have to. They don't have to memorize it. They just have to be. You know, have it in their head somewhere. So if something comes up, hopefully it'll it'll, it'll jog their memory and refresh it and say, oh, I remember if this is going on, this is what's happening. Maybe this is what I can do. And and certainly the case of the app means you can have it in your hand the entire time if you need it. 100%. Because maybe, you know, yeah. you don't have that much hunting experience because it's going to work. It's it, You don't need Wi-Fi once you download it. It's done. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, that's why we do it. This had nothing to do with money. I've been retired for 11 years, and this company came to me. Just so that you know, Jason, I did not hire somebody. This company came to me. They saw me online. They said, Paul, we've seen you for years online. You share information like nobody else ever shared, ever. I've never seen anything like this. Would you be interested if we built the app, we'll build the entire thing, and you provide us the content? So I went, well, I mean, why not? I'm not doing anything else other than, you know, I've been retired. I still do the elk nut outdoor thing. But this was just another avenue, and I kept thinking, how many hunters could this really ha help? Really? Because, like I said in the beginning, I came from a non-hunting family. And but think about it. 64 years old, there was no internet. There was nothing. There was no videos. There was nobody giving you information. There was nothing. There was zero. And so I started, I know how hard it was. And I see these fathers and sons. I see fathers and daughters. I see family members. And I see how they struggle. I know how hard it is to try to get solid instruction. 
to 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 help them enjoy their hunt even that much more. And I've been able to enjoy this with my son and with my other kids. You know, but my son mostly because he's a diehard like I am. But the point is, is that if I can help those people that struggled like I did when there was nobody to help, I've always said I'm going to do it. I don't care what. You have no idea how much free stuff I give away every year. A lot. Thousands of dollars worth. Because it's not about the money. Yeah. I want these people to go out there and enjoy themselves with their family. And you can't believe what the bond is with, with father and son or daughter or wife to hunt together. And especially when, when they know what they're doing and they're enjoying it. It's not just a camping trip. I mean, I have gotten so many emails. I mean, we're talking thousands and, and, and phone calls of people that have taken elk because of this information. I mean, it's in the thousands. I mean, it's a lot of people that have been successful. And so I sit back and I just like, that. that's awesome. That's what I wanted to see. I want these people to be able to go out there and not have to put 30 years in like we did. Yeah. You know, of course, the Internet really helps cut a lot of that down. There's, there's other stuff out there. Oh, huge. But nothing like this. No. But anyway, that's, that's kind of why I do it and why I do all these podcasts, and like yours, I mean, it's all free. I don't charge one penny for any of this. I just, I try to put that information out so I can help others. That's, that's really the bottom That's line. what I'm trying to do here, because I stumbled upon yep. this, and I think a lot of people might question the content and think, you know, this guy's just getting preachy and talking about what he's heard in the bush, and it's like, yeah, I, right. I, have, <laughs> I have encountered... After going through the through the app and the different calls that you present, um, challenge bugles, the grunts, the chuckles, the glunking, um, you know, you hear this stuff. Yep, the pants, wheezing, yeah, you know, like, there, there's so many sounds. And try and put it together when it's presented to you. Uh, hearing it is one thing, but when an elk demand something from you is it completely other and that's where this is going to help people out because you've taken that learning curve put it in an app form and said here's a bunch of tips i have for this situation this situation this situation mm -hmm. and yeah wow and that is what it is it's tips it's, it's suggestions it's well, this is what generally happens here. This is what has helped us. It's not like it's this or nothing, guys. That's, that's not what this is because there's a lot of ways to call elk. When I'm in a situation and I see something developing, does it mean that only one thing will work and nothing else will? No. That's not what this means. But I'll tell you what it does mean. It means that when you are working a certain bull and he's of a certain temperament, Maybe there's four or five different things you could do. Maybe you could cow call him bugle. Maybe you could call him to you. Maybe you could threaten him and try to call his cows. There's a lot of different things you can do. But through experience, I find that some of them have better odds than others. You see, yeah, and that is one of the sure. things that I play on is like, this is your best odds right here. It's not that the other things won't work, but this seems to be the best. And that you can only get that from encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter until you start getting a good feel for it and you realize this is the best thing we can do in this situation. It's going to give us the highest odds for success. There's times to run out of bull. I cow call my way to him when he calls me to him. There's times not to do that. 
Yeah. There's times you can bugle a bull, you know, and scream. One of my favorite things, which you never hear talked about, when I'm working a, a herd bull, say he's got two or three satellites around. Well, what makes you think, because you jump up there and bugle, Adam, that he's going to come running to you when he's not running to those? So how do you approach this situation to say, I want to take that herd bull. I want an opportunity, Adam. Why are the herd satellites there? The satellites are there, and they're all bugling because there's a cow coming into heat. If there's no cow coming into heat, you will not have multiple bulls bugling in one area. Just They just don't do it. They don't care. But once a cow starts showing signs, she will emit that airborne chemical in her system called a pheromone. When that hits the air current, it's the same pheromone that a female dog has. Exactly. And when it hits the air current... You ever notice how dogs will come from the neighborhood that you never saw in your life? Like what well, in the world? I had a lab. Gets, yeah, and he was a it male. It gets in the air. Yeah, they he was it. gone. He would. Go- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Well, these satellites react the same way as they're downwind, and it could be miles away. They've got good noses. It brings them on over to this group. So now all of a sudden you have a herd bull with a hot cow, maybe two in it. Who knows how many cows come in estrus at the same time? You just never know. But maybe he could have uh, eight cows or he could have 20 cows. So these satellites come in there. There's two or three of them now. Whatever. That's a normal number for around a herd when a hot cow, when a cow comes in the heat. How do they know which cow is in heat? They have no clue. There's all these cows out there with the herd bull. How do they say that's the one? They don't know no more than me and you know. So they try to call them out. That's what they do. So when you see satellites hanging around a herd and they're bugling and bugling and bugling and they're not encroaching on the herd bull, they're staying back. They're trying to call the cow out of there. You see, and once you start understanding the sounds and the emotion behind it, you start saying, oh, those bulls are trying to call the cow out. And then you hear the herd bull and he is just, I mean, he's hammering you. You can tell the difference in his emotion. It's a warning to stay back or else. Yeah. That's what he's doing. The satellites aren't doing that. They're trying to call the cow. They give that short bugle that I call a roundup bugle to come on over here. And many times those bulls, when they get brave, that's me. I get inside of the satellites. And what I do is I try to get within that 75, 80 yard if I can. I try to get inside them because most of the satellites are about 150 or so out. Depends on the terrain, how long they've been hanging around. There's always these little things. It's not a solid number, but it's an approximate. But if I can get in 75 yards and be that braver satellite, I try to call the hot cow out. And I've watched satellites do this years and years ago. What they do is they usually get two or three cow sounds, the bull does, the satellite. And then he hits the roundup bugle right behind it, all in the same note. He does not have any hesitation. You'll hear him kind of go, yeah. And he screams all at once. Well, when I do that, and when a herd, when a satellite does that, well, where's the message being sent? To the cow. To the cow, not the bull. And that herd bull knows it. He's trying to call my cow right. And all of a sudden, before you can even get done, that herd bull is giving you an aggressive, emotional growling warning. You better get back Sheep or else. And what do I do? I hit him with the same thing. Cut him off, and then I try to call the cow back. Because I'm not looking for a fight. I don't want to mess with him. That's why I'm staying back. So, see, I play the game. I let him know. You stay back. And I try to call the cow with the same exact tone again. And when I do, he is just hammering. I mean, he's not he's not messing around. That's when I hit him with the lip ball. A, a, a lip ball bugle is the ultimate, ultimate emotional sound that a bull can give. 
it does not. He can go nowhere else from there. He can give a light lip ball. He can give a mid range, or he can really climb the ladder or elevate and amp it to just absolutely to top level number ten. And so, see, when you start playing that game and let that hurt ball know you're not going to get pushed around, and you're raking and flashing, you're trying to display there to suck the cow in. You want the cow to come over and consider you as a breeder bull because a cow chooses a bull that will breed her. It isn't the bull choosing the cow. She can leave at any time. She's not ball and chain. And so he's trying to convince her, me, this satellite, so to speak, trying to pull her out of there. The bull usually will come flying in as a defense mechanism. He does not want that cow coming in, so the bull comes over to push me out of there. He's king of this castle, not you. You see, and, and, and when you start playing that game under that situation, I'm not trying to mess with the satellite. I've slipped inside of them, and I want the herd bull. I don't want to mess with the satellite. If I wanted the satellite, I would go straight to what I call a breeding sequence. Convincing them, I, too, have a hot cow over here. And only the bull can make a specific sound that shows he has a cow in heat in his presence. A cow does not make one single sound to let a bull know that she is an estrus. Not one. But people think they do. Yeah, they give all those whines and all that, blah, 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 blah. But it's not true. How do I know? Because I sit with the elk all the time. I hear those same sounds in January, February, March, April, May. So if it's an extra sound, why am I hearing them then? Yeah. Because it's not. It's just one of their communications when they get very excited over a situation. Or a guy's going to hear the cows giving us because something's not answering back. And they think it's an extra sound. Because why? Because they're there in September and hear it and just assume it is. So they tag that line with that name. It's not true. So what? You, you should go out there in January, February, March, April like I do. And you're going to hear those same sounds everywhere. So we know it's not an extra sound. And I have all this on tape. I video a lot of this just to be, have the pinpoint accuracy. So see, if I start going out there and telling everybody that's what this sound represents, and it's not, how am I going to communicate with the elk and make them do what I think this sound represents? I want it to believe so bad that this sound is this when it really isn't. It doesn't work that way. The elk don't care. And the elk don't put names to their sounds. I'm putting the names to the sounds, and so do others. Yeah. But when you say challenge bugle, or you say locator, contact bugle, roundup, it's, I'm putting those names to it. Yeah. You know, how else do you well, it's how else do you share that with someone? If I told you, well, put a little more emotion, or a little less emotion, or a little more. And they're like, what? So you tag it with a name. And then show them the type of emotion like I show on the app. Now you start getting the feel of the emotional change from this sound to this sound, and now you see what I'm trying to get across. The same with a cow sound. You'll see the change. And once you start identifying what each one of these sounds represent, you'll know when to call that bull with a cow sound. You're, try- you're trying to get him to come to you. And it ain't just mew, mew. No, you change your tone or your cadence to, the, to that sound what he expects to hear, what a real cow will sound like when she's trying to call him over. And she can even get extremely urgent or demanding. That's what she does when she goes to the contact buzz. That is telling him to come over and come over now. It's the same thing as she, if she was calling other cows and because they're not catching up or coming fast enough, get over here now. And that's a very demanding thing. Just like if you told your kid, Get over here now. Not just, hey, come on over here when you got a second. No, you're, you're being urgent about it. And elk are doing the same thing through their sounds. Bulls can make the identical sounds a cow makes. Cows can make the same sounds a bull makes. 
Cow, all cows can bugle, they can grunt, they can chuckle, they can give nervous grunts. They do it all. But people don't realize that. It's just communication. Does not your wife or girlfriend make the same sounds you do? Can she not say the same words? Can she not put the same meaning behind it? Of course she can. Yeah. She just doesn't sound as powerful as a man. And just like cows don't sound as powerful as a bull. But they're still conveying the same message with the way they do it. So their sounds are a little more immature in sound or tone, but it's still saying the same thing. And once you start understanding all that, elk hunting is fun because there is no elk that you feel you can't call in. There is none. I mean, you are so convinced that you can make this happen. And once you see it happen, you know, in a positive way, just two or three times, it builds your confidence. So you start seeing these guys that, that, that wouldn't call before because they're not confident callers. And why? Because, yeah, they can make a few elk sounds, bull or cow, but they have no clue what they mean. And they don't have good results because they're just throwing elk sounds out in hopes that elk will come their way because they sound decent. But instead of communicating with them and actually making sense in the words or sounds they're using, you see, it, it just backfires on them. And you'll see it time and again. Go to YouTube. Watch any of the new stuff that came out from last year. And watch how many elk that these guys don't call in, but they, but they get response from them. Yeah. They have. They just don't have any idea what they're doing. They are looking for the bull that will just play their tune. That's it. And usually it's around eight to ten elk before they finally get one in. That's a lot of elk. A lot of people can hunt ten days and never get into eight or ten elk. So I show you how to get into every one of them. You know, by by being able to communicate with them. Don't just be a really good guy with elk sounds. Be a caller of elk. Understand the sounds, what they represent. What is the meaning? And that's what the app does. It shows you the sound, then it shows you the definition of that sound, whether yeah. it's the elk using them or you're using them. And that really will help, you know, lay the basic foundation to, for you to start building on. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's definitely good stuff. Uh, I've been through it front to back. I mean, the calling sequences that you put out, um, the tactics that are in there, uh, full moon stuff. I really got something out of that because we've been fighting that one. I don't know for, I think for about three years now, it's been looming over us in that 17, 18, 19 of September. And mm -hmm. how, how do we combat it? Because I know they're up all night doing their thing. So does everybody else. But how do you get around it? And and you you share some uh, perspective on that that I think people. It's my will... favorite time to hunt elk. Yeah, the full moon. I would choose it every year as long as it overlaps the rut. And yeah. as I show in the app, I like for it to ha if when it happens from anywhere from the eighth to the end of the month, it's money. It's money. But it, earlier than that, real pre rut. Yeah, they can do some activity. You know, at night they can be a little more the nocturnal. But the point is, is they're not really not rutting hard unless it's the right place, right time. But as far as, as the majority of the areas, it can be pretty quiet. So I, I, I prefer having the full moon from the 8th on. Yeah. And that's when we kill them all. The full moon just gives them away. I mean, that's all I need to hear is one bugle one hour before daylight. That's it. One. And I know where they're at. In. Oh, I know exactly. And I listen to it. So, so I heard, say I hear one bugle. And I, I park my rig because I never hunt out of a base camp. I have a base camp, but I don't hunt out of it because people follow us. Yeah. And so oh, I, I leave imagine. the base camp every morning. I'll drive anywhere from three miles to 30 miles. Seriously. 
We have so many areas. It's, our areas are monstrous, you know, and so we can go anywhere. And so I go to a different spot every morning, every evening. I do not have the same spot two days in a row. And the reason I don't do it is because if there's no elk there, I'm not going back. If there is an elk there, I'm either going to kill him or I'm going to run him out of there. I don't mess around. I don't babysit him. Yeah. I go in. I know I kind of have a real good idea of what I hear, and I'm going to attack immediately. There's none of this sneaking around and cow calling and waiting for two hours. I don't do any of that. I get over there. I listen to him. I plan, a, 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 you know, an attack. And, 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 just to, and the reason I do it, Jason, is because, it, you know, seriously speaking, I usually will pull in 17 or 18 bulls out of every 20 that I contact. And so I'm not going to change something. I'm not going to fix something that's not broke. Yeah. It works so well. I, some of them I have to be patient with. Some of them I can call in minutes. Others I can't call in until 30 minutes. You see, but, but I'm playing them right. I know it. I know they're there. They're not saying anything, but I know they're there. And they cannot help it when I play on their instinct to breathe because what I'm doing is, I'm taking their testosterone level, and at that time of the day when I contact them, I might hear, I might have heard a. That's it. Lethargic. I don't care what I say. Half a mile away, nothing. I don't care if I close the distance. Cal call my brains out or bugle. It doesn't matter. I can't get another note. Nothing. He's done because there's nothing. There's nothing uh, writing at that time. There's no hot cows. There's no bulls bugling everywhere. He just let out that lazy lethargic bugle. And so now, I, what do I got to do to call him in? Sit over there and give 100 cow calls? He doesn't care. He knows there's nothing in heat. So I have to show him something's in heat. That's when I hit him with the slow play. It's one of my favorite things to do. I can take his testosterone level all the way down to his toes and raise it to out, out, coming out his ears. And that's how you play on the instinct to breathe. It's like, well, truthfully, it's like a man being aroused. Yeah. You know, maybe he's not. Then all of a sudden, if something happens, the situation with his lady, and all of a sudden, yeah. arouses, boom, 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 and now you're super interested. Boom, when you when nothing 15 minutes ago. But that's what I do with the bull. I give him a reason. I start playing those sounds that shows him there's a cow in heat by the way the bull is sounding off and reacting. I'm not talking to him at all. It's no. just me and the cow. But I planted the seed. And now I make it grow. And as I do, all of a sudden, I get this bull on his feet. I don't see him. I know what's happening. I've, I've been through it so many times. And all of a sudden, as I continue to display for this cow, and I'm glunking, I'm tasting the air with my glunks, giving it that, the bull slapping his tongue against the roof of his mouth. He's licking the air. It's that pungent. And he can taste it. It's exciting. And he starts panting. <laughs> and he starts feeling that emotion. I'm doing it through my bugle when I do it, though. And maybe I'm just going to give a couple of real groaning sounds as I'm yearning. I'm excited for my find. I'm right there as I go through my slow play. And I start building on it and raking and raking and displaying for her. And I'm showing off for her. I'm demonstrating my willingness to want to breed her. This is how they do it. So I go through my little calling sequence there. And when I do, I got that bull. Let me tell you, I got a hook line. Once he makes one sound, I already know that an arrow's going to go. I already know it. Sometimes it takes five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes. But as I go through it, when I start hitting the cow sound after I've been displaying the bull sound, that's when he answers it. Rarely does he ever answer the bull sound. Not until he answers the cow sound first because he's trying to call her. And he'll get that short bugle. It's a roundup. He's trying to call her over there. 
And when he does, I invite him over with the cow. The cow, now, when I'm making those, when I'm with this bull, all of a sudden when this guy answers, I'm like the cow's going, oh, I like the sound of him. He sounds like he could be a breeder. So all of a sudden I'm, and I'm dropping it four or five times. That's inviting him over. It excites him. And bam, he answers instantly, and I cut him off. That's when I cut him off with a bugle. But I only give him a, that's it. I don't give him everything I got. No way. I'm giving him about a four or five on a scale of one to ten. I play the game. I let him, hey, you stay back. This is mine. You see, that's what I'm doing. And as soon as I do it, he usually cuts me off. I'll raise it, raise it a little bit more. And that's when I hit him with either the same kind of cow sound or I go to a contact buzz. If I think he's getting fired up fast, when he was doing nothing 10 minutes ago, you couldn't raise the bugle out of this guy to save your life. Uh, all of a sudden, I got him cutting me off. I'm cutting him off. He's cutting me. And here he comes running right there. All out of making something happen out of nothing. All the cow calls and all the bugles in the world didn't mean squat to that bull. But when I started emitting the sounds that were necessary to show I had a cow heat and he was right at my feet, that is when I got him. And that's what they're all waiting for. They're waiting for that in September. So obviously he wants to come over and check the area. But you can't believe how many bulls we call in doing this. And I'm talking half the time, I kid you not, I can hear cars driving, trucks driving on the dirt roads below me. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm not that far in. I'm usually within a half, three quarters of a mile, and I locate the bulls. And, I mean, you know, it's steep, rough, rugged country. It takes a minute to get to those, to those heights, and most people don't want to hunt it because it's really rugged and steep and downfall. It benches and just straight up. And, and a lot of those bulls, and we're killing mostly six-point bulls. And, and, and the point is, is that those elk are there, but people try to call them. They just, they're generic. They bugle, bugle, cow call, bugle, nothing. Ah, they're not coming. That bull left the country when really they don't. They're right there. Yeah. And you just have to know how to play them. They don't go but far. I'm just saying, it's, those are the little things we use. And yeah, this is on the app. And so it's those types of techniques that we'll use for a specific bowl like that. And I could rattle on forever. I know. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> but, know. It's there. <laughs> I'm an elk hunting nut, man. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. I I enjoyed talking to you about it for sure. Um, just uh, some of the stuff that I'm, I'm seeing in here, you know, you explain estrus cycles, uh, full moon, how to hunt over wallows, water holes, licks, mm-hmm. um, yep. new hunter tips. Like, so this is, this is geared from the guy that has 10, 15 years experience is going to gain stuff from this. The guy that's oh, got 15 minutes of but. experience is going to cut his learning curve by, I, I, I want to yeah. ballpark this at about a decade, really. Yeah. If you put this stuff it is, into it, application, it, it's how much you learn quick. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Like, uh, and just, we update it all the time. So there's new stuff. Like right now, we have an update coming, and the update on this one is I have the slow play in a in a kind of in a in a short version on the app, which the we did probably three or four months ago because I wanted to hurry and get it on. Well, now I have an extremely detailed version with the with the rattling, not just raking, but the rattling. When a person refers to rattling, they're talking about two bulls interacting. Raking yeah. is a bull raking a tree, brush, you know, whatever. Uh, so, but we have early season tactics, solo tactics. We have the new version of that. We have other things all being updated right now. 
So as you yeah. own the app, you will see you'll you'll have an update if you go to the app store. If you own an Android phone, it comes on automatically. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal with Android. But there's in addition to what's already there, these features are now going to be uh, uploaded onto it here very very shortly. So this thing is just ridiculous. It's an awesome app. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was for let for next to nothing in price for ten bucks, and you own it for life. Yeah, I mean it's a that, that's a that's amazing. It's a no I'm not trying to get rich out of the darn thing. I'm just, and I don't even get a, I get very little of that. It goes to the app store more than anything. Did you know from the app store that when you apply with an app, the app store takes 33.5 percent right off the top. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. They think that we get everything. Well, the agreement was I got that, and then we get a cut from that from as well as the app guys that are developing it all because I don't know how to do all that. And so if, for people to think that you're just making tons off it, this has nothing to do with money. This has to do with putting information out there that is going to make you a, a better elk hunter by a mile. Not only that, if you happen to hunt in my area and you have the app, I know you're not in there blowing everything out of there because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, that makes me feel better that you're going to go in there as a very smart, savvy hunter and you're going to leave things, you know, in a reasonable manner. You know you can't buck the wind. You know when you call, it's accurate stuff. And if you take a bull down, you don't sit there and celebrate and high-five and scream and yell. You don't do any of that. Yeah, you know, you, you're in. more controlled. Get you take out. your animal down, you break them down, and you get them out. Save the area. You know, you hunt smarter. And, 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 and in this day and age, it seems like everybody's so busy with their families and their jobs and just life in general that being able to hunt smarter means you're going to try to make it happen on any elk you come across, not just one that wants to play with your one-dimensional, the only thing I know type thing. No, this is going to help you to use every club in your bag like a golfer. He doesn't just use a driver and a putter. He needs to know how to use all those irons for certain distances or a feel for the shot if it's an in-between one. You see, he becomes familiar through practice, and that's what the app will do. You need to practice the sounds. You need to practice the scenarios. You need to practice your setups. To me, calling is number one. Number yeah. two is your setup. More elk encounters are lost and fall through the loophole because there's a bad setup. People don't know how to set up. They set up with too open of country. They set up with no shooting lanes. They set up where the elk don't even think of coming. I mean, they do. They, they don't know when to move. If they can and they have the opportunity to move yeah. when a bull is coming in, they just stay put. And so many, many times this cost them their shot opportunity when the caller has given in his all to get that bull to that stage. So, you know, there's just a lot of things there that people need to recognize and look over. It's more than just going out there and making some elk sounds and, and hope that good things happen. You know what I'm talking about. You oh, want to elk hunted enough. <laughs> this is this is deadly information. This is why I contacted you because I yep. wanted to get this stuff out there, maybe to a few more people because it's that good, really. And well, I appreciate I, that. Thank you very much. I know that some people think that you know, oh, he's just trying to sell an app and this, but no, mm -hmm. it's it's nope. far more than that. Once you get digging, all they into have to this, do is look at it. Yeah, they'll see that I I don't I don't hide it I don't hold anything back. I show you how to put it up on the ground. When we put this app together, it was one of the things I told these app guys. I said you have to understand one thing. I am not that guy who wants to be a commercial. I could care less what bow you use. 
I don't care what arrows you use or broadhead or shoes you wear or camo you wear. I don't care about your hat or your vehicle. I don't care about any of that. That's nothing but propaganda and sales pitch stuff. All I care about is you have the app. You, you, you've seen it from head to toe. You be honest with anybody that, that will listen to this. At any point in that app, anywhere, do I ever say you need to have this to be successful or anything? No. Do I? No. Nothing. It's there not a sales pitch. It's just an information that sharing. That's, That's all it is. Yes, I show you how to kill out. Yeah. I do oh, not 100%. do anything trying to sell garbage. I don't care because I know you can kill elk with any bow out there, any arrow, any broadhead, basically, as long as the shot placement. You know, it really doesn't matter. But so much of this stuff you see these days, everything is about I'm I'm sponsored by this. I'm sponsored by this. I'm a blah, blah, blah. Well, who cares? You know, you need information that is solid and it's going to help put elk on the ground. I don't care what you wear. I could care less what you wear or what you shoot. It really doesn't matter to me. And so get out there and just be good with the tackle you decide to use. Be proficient with it. Be confident in it. Just like you need to be confident in your calling or your setups or your technique, whatever it is. There's only one way to do that, through practice. If you're going to golf, you have range time. You want to dial yourself in so when it's time to go play 9 or 18 holes, that's not your practice time. That's your, that's your play time when you're really serious. So it's the same with elk hunting. If you hunt with two or three guys and you want, you guys, hey, we're going to try this advertising uh, technique. We're going to try the slow play. You guys need to practice it before you ever hit the field. Yeah. That's how you fine tune and get the quirks out. And you're calling and your buddy starts making calls. You go, oh, don't do that. And he's like, what, what do you mean? That's not what you want to do if we have a bull doing this or this or this. You, you, that's where you work the kinks out, right there. You guys fine tune things. Oh, yeah. You start saying, this is the sound you need to make right here. If the bull does this or this or this, here's what we need to do. Yeah. It's just like guys have asked me. They say, Paul, I've gotten into these herd bulls, and I'm working my way in, and the terrain looks great. I can sneak in. And there's like two or three satellites and cows all in front of me, and the wind's coming at me. How? What, I can't get at the herd bull. There's nothing I can do. How do you get to that guy? What do you do? And I told them. I said, you know what I do? I got a technique for that, too. I, I step back about three to 400 yards, even if I got within 100 of them. I can't call. I'm, you know, they're right there. And the herbal ain't going to come blasting through them to come at me. So what I do is I get back to about 304 yards, three to 400, and I start bugling. And I bugle, and I bugle, and I'm bugling. Every 50 yards go right at them. And you know what it does? It moves those satellites and those cows right out of the way. Opens it right up. They don't go anywhere. They just run. And they, have you ever tried to? Hear, have you ever heard a bull bugling? And you decide I'm going to bugle my way right to him and see what he does. Yeah, he don't move. Well, he. Well, no. <laughs> if I'm if it's the herd bull, him. he's standing. He's going to stand his ground. Only if he's got a hot cow and okay. he's got satellite yeah. harassing him. But so many times when you hear a bull bugle and you start bugling and you bugle every, you're every 50, 75 yards to him, in so many cases he will keep that 200 yards or whatever in front of you. He just keeps moving. You see, that's a different that's a different scenario. This yeah. is not a hot bull with cows. We're talking about a bull just bugling. So what I do is I bugle my way right to them, and you'll watch the cows scatter and get out of the way. So what a satellite. They won't stand there and let you walk up there bugling and put an arrow in them. No, they move. They part like the Red Sea. But does the herd bull move? Nope. Why not? Because he's not running from those satellites right there. Why is he going to run from you? He's not. He stays right there. And so 
My point is, is it opens up an avenue, a corridor, that I can now get in close and hammer at the herd bull. That's when I'm going to get into two or three cow sounds and then scream at that short bugle. Because when those elk are harassing him like that, you got to appreciate, he's right there with the hot cow. Why are the other cows sitting in front where they're out there by the sidelines? Because they're not ready to be bred. There's, there, there's nothing in estrus. He's with the hot one. Yeah. And so, see, that is the game you play. And that's why a lot of times you see a bull with 15 cows, 20, whatever, and no bugling, no satellites harassing anything. There's no cows and estrus. That's why. You play that bull differently. That's where you slow play that bull. Do I slow play the bull with a hot cow? Hell no. Why would I do that? Yeah. He's not coming. He's already got the real McCoy right there. I got Now I have to get aggressive with him. And yeah. like I said, that's one. Sometimes story. I can walk right in, get close enough, and just challenge him right out of the gate. Other times I feel, okay, he's not quite there. I need to call that hot cow away from him. Which shows me usually that cow is just coming into heat. She's not really ready to be bred, but she's close. And so he's not as aggressive in his sounds yet. See, I'm listening to his emotion. And so I can't go wrong by trying to call the cow out. Even if I'm not, man, I'm not sure if he's ready to, to scream at people in his face or not. So I'm going to start lower. And I can always raise the bar. Yeah, raise I can't come back down. They don't buy it. If you start at the top 100%. and they decide, oh, wait, whoa, that ain't working. I need to downplay it a little bit. Uh, he's already out of there. He knows something's wrong. So I always start lower if I have to, and I can always increase my volume and my emotion behind my sound. You see, and it's very tricky. Yeah. But once you start getting it dialed in and you see the success behind it, you're just like, this is nuts. I oh, got, it's I, exciting. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, because you know it works. You know yeah. it's going to work. So now you get you dial it up. For the emotion of the bull, that's what you do. You listen to his emotion. Okay, I got to play him from here. If you're ever unsure, once again, hit up the go up. lower than that. Stay lower. Stay lower in your in your in your in your calling, and you you can always ramp it up if he does. And so that's what you do. And eventually, one of the biggest tricks I use in calling in the bulls, especially herd bulls, and we've killed over eighty of them, is one of the biggest things we do is I take over the situation. You see, so many times as you're as you're doing a slow play or you're just bugling for locate, a bull answers you, or sometimes you hear him answering or, or talking on his own, and you get up there and you try to have an exchange, and so you're going back and forth. He's usually leading the way. Right as I see his emotions starting to escalate, I take over. What this means is I make him answer me now. I no longer answer him. I only make him answer me. So once I do that, I put him on the defense. Anytime you can get a herd bull or any kind of bull on the defense, he comes to you. You see, when you let him run the show, he doesn't want to come to you. He wants you coming to him. That puts you on the defense. Anytime you're on the defense, your odds go shoot right down to your shoes. You will lose out almost every one of those encounters. But when you turn the table and you've got him firing back at you and you're running the show, here he comes. And, and I learned that years ago, we kill way more bulls and call way more bulls in on a string. And I'll tell you something interesting. When you work the slow play, when you work these sequences, when you're working a herd bull, it is like years go by before a bull ever tries to come downwind. He comes straight at me. Hardly ever does a bull come downwind on me. He comes out the shortest route. If there's an obstruction, he takes a little detour to get around it, but he's coming right at me. If I'm playing the slow play or being aggressive or using the two or three cow sounds and then screaming behind it for the hot cow to come my way, they come right at me. 
Yeah. So see, I take that out of the uh, out of the you know the situation there. I don't allow him to try to sneak around. What I've noticed over the years, real quick, Jason, is that bulls that sneak around you to wind you are suspicious of the situation. Yeah. They're not quite sold. Their red flags kind of raised a little. They're like something's not right here. That's when they circle you. But you'll notice when the real elk with with real elk, they're not trying to circle them. They just come right at them. And and I noticed that year after year, I I couldn't even tell you the last bull, and we killed nine bulls this year, eight before, eight the year before, nine the year before. The la- I can't even remember the last bull that tried to go downwind up. They just don't do it. Coming and these bulls are hammered. It's because of the calling tactic. Yeah. That's what it is. You have them totally convinced Realism. that you are one of them, and they come right. Out, they come the shortest route. So you know, a lot of this is you know, this this takes years to learn, guys. I mean, we're talking forty years of elk hunting. Yeah. You know, I, I'm thirty of bow, but my point is, is that a lot of this can cut the learning curve way back, just like you said, Jason. Instead of trying to go out there and, and, and stumble around and figure out what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there, and what's the possibility of coming downwind. I'm cutting it right out of it. I'm cutting to the chase. You don't have to worry about it. Yes, you know when elk come down when when you start doing a lot of cold calling setups. Yeah, and you're just mimicking things. And elk will come in like early season and they're unsure, they're sneaking around, they're quiet. They don't come in with any vocalization. That's when you start having them come in downwind. But when you can get them into a tactic or a sequence where you start firing them up and they're bugling back and you're bugling. That's when they come in down, I mean, straight at you, right at you. They don't mess around. So you've got to have a good, solid setup, which means you cannot let them see 100 yards away where the source of the calling is coming from. You must be behind, below a bench or behind an obstruction or something with the terrain where they have to keep going in search mode looking for you and calling as they come in. But the minute they get to a spot where they think they can see or they should see where the calling's coming from, that's where they stop and hang up right yeah, there. Right so there. remove that out of the equation. And that's what I do. I remove that. That's why we kill so many elk every year is we, 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 we start putting things in our favor as well as having solid calling techniques that apply to each individual situation. Yeah. No, that's, so anyway, that's kinda, awesome. Gives everybody a huge bone to chew on there. So I just got a couple of things I'd like to pick your brain on other than the app. Um, Okay. Rainy days. What do you, what's your experience with trying to shoot an elk in the rain? If it's hard torrential rains. Good luck. um, I don't even mess around with it. Yeah. It's so noisy. Your sound doesn't go anywhere Blood can be washed away instantly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm talking serious rains. Yeah, I stay out of it. If I'm caught in it, then that's just the way it goes. Yeah, throw some as rain gear on. Off and on rains, drizzly, and it rains hard, then it lights up, and then it rains. You know, I love those days. As a matter of fact, if you saw that bull my son killed last year, I don't know if you did, but it's a pretty nice bull. And I called that one into five yards, and he Jeez. shot that bull. It was raining pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't want to hunt. Huh. He said, Dad, I just want to want It's raining. Yeah. I said, man, we got to go to this one spot, though. we got to try it. We go up there, and in 20 minutes, I call this bull to five yards away. And I mean, this bull came in screaming like a freight train, and Paul shot him with a final shot at five yards. But that was a rare, very rainy day. So, you know, that we, it's, it's not an uh, unusual time. We, we kill a lot of bulls in the rain, but not torrential rain, yeah. not hard Washington 
type range where I mean it's, your, your wipers couldn't even keep up with it. So you know it's it's so it's it's kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. If the day starts out and it's just rainy and wet and you got to put your rain gear on before you even hit the woods, <laughs> I will do that. Yeah, but not hard rain where it's so loud you couldn't yeah. do nothing. Beats no, off then the I stay away from it. Just sounds yeah, it's yeah, horrible. and that's what it is. Even if you, even if it stops raining, you better have your rain suit on. Yeah, because everything soaked. you touch. <laughs> oh my goodness, you know what I mean. Yeah. So right rainy days are okay, yes, but not hard, hard rains. Yeah. See, I I usually try and avoid them, but I'm I, I may start venturing out a little more now. Um, like you said, just... I notice that when you have off and on rains or just light rain all day long, nothing super hard. The elk are screaming almost everywhere. Gotcha. They're just bugling, bugling, bugling. It's like they start getting frisky feeling, you know. It's, it, and and a lot of times, it, even if a cow's not in heat, the bulls start getting like horses. You know, when the weather changes and it gets a little bit misty and foggy and a little rainy, you'll yeah. see horses just prancing everywhere. And, nah! They just get frisky. <laughs> I've not, I've watched elk do the same thing, yeah. and you can tell they're not really rutting. Because they're not grouped up, bugling at each other. It's like there's one here and one way over there. You know what I mean? It's like they're answering each other all over, but they're not together. Like, we have a hot cow, and these guys are all competing for her. No. But sometimes you'll see elk do that, and they just get in that aggressive state of mind. And when I see it like that, and I don't feel there's a hot cow, that's when I run in, get close, do the slow play right on them. And yeah. that sucks them right up. They're already Sweet. got that aggressive nature going. And a lot of times you don't have to start at the bottom with the cow calls and the rake. You, you get in there and you can start midway into what I call the slow play. If you read it on the app, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. And and so you can start higher up into it. It's like an A to Z. You can start at M, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and because they're already fired up, so you can alleviate a lot of the slow stuff. And from that standpoint, yeah, rain can be a very I absolutely love hunting in the rain as long as it's not ridiculous. Cool. So, next thing, I you ever use a decoy? You play I get around with that it more times than not. <laughs> yeah. No, I just you know I've out of all the elk we've called in, I'll tell you, I've never, never needed one. Yeah. I've carried them. I've never used one because my setups are so tight. Yeah. I do not give elk the luxury to look into where I'm And you from. show I know all of that on your app in the videos. Yeah, Some of your setups that. that you're doing. Yeah, so that's good stuff. Yeah, um, I just don't, I just, you know, I just don't use them. I, I try to position myself. I've, I have so much confidence in my calling, so much, that I know they think I'm an elk. Because you have to understand when I'm calling, man, you, I mean, I'm not making the normal sounds everybody's making. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of very unusual stuff. I'm I'm selling myself. I, I'm one of them. So when I'm calling to them or, 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 or I'm doing a slow play, I do so much yearning and so much, you know, I'm just pleading with yeah, it as I play. With oh, man, I mean, I really do. I let that call in my mouth just barely work as I, go, I run it through the bugle, and I really give it those howls, and I'll wheeze through it, I'll pant through it. I really sell them that I'm an elk over there, and he's going through the actual sounds that a real elk would do under those situations so when i'm saying calling i'm not talking about i'm just sitting there bugling and bugling and bugling it's nothing like that i only bugle for location and i bugle when i'm i'm i'm, I'm finishing one off yeah. that's the only other real time i do it other than that it's more uh more subtle it's more selling my situation 
that, that even though I may not be talking to them, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, it's an emotional thing between the bull and the cow. Oh, it's a hundred percent sales so pitch. So many weird sounds come out. <laughs> oh yeah, you'll you'll see. I mean, yeah. it's just, that's how it works. You got to sell yourself. It sells it. You got to think, that's, make yeah, them think like you're a, a dirty, dirty <laughs> cow. <laughs> so, um, what do you uh, what do you like for um, a diaphragm call? What are you, like what are you using? Situation. What works for you? You know, I've used a lot of reeds over the years. I, I have companies send me, like, everything there is out there to try theirs. They want me to say it's the newest and the greatest, you know. I mean, they all do it. I've, I've, I've called bulls in with, I think, every manufacturer on the market. Yeah. So, in my opinion, you really can call elk with anything. But the ones, uh, the one, uh, the ones I'm using right now that I, I absolutely love, because when I'm an, I'm an elk caller, so I want one reed that does everything. I call it an all-purpose reed. I don't like to switch reeds out. Yeah, I don't want to say, oh, this is my cow collar. Oh, this is my, my challenge. Oh, this is my locator. No, I want one reed that does everything. And in my opinion, one of the absolute best reeds on the market today, without a doubt in my mind, is the Gray Amp by Phelps Game Calls. Cool. It's absolutely phenomenal. And, and, and that's a Gray Amp call? Yep, it's called the Gray Amp, A-M-P. Okay. And, and I'm not trying to be a salesman no, no, for it. I don't work for them. I don't get a penny for it. But, but it's, a, it's, it's actually a reed that all five of us use. We absolutely love that reed. It does great cow sounds, anything. Contact buzz, regathering sounds, separated, lost calf, uh, lip ball bugles, locators, challenge. It does it all. Yeah. And, and that's my thing is I like doing everything with one reed, nothing else. Yeah, and, people got to so do some shopping do. for a read. I know that. I've been through a lot of different stuff, and uh, some of it doesn't fit properly. Some of it makes you choke. Uh, you know. Yeah, a lot of it is, a, is the user, you know, because most people on the face of the earth today need a half-inch read. Reads yeah. come in two sizes, half-inch and five-eighths. Five-eighths are for somebody who has a super huge wide palate. Most people do not. I used to sell reads a lot. This was the first year I never sold reads. Yeah, and I would sell on an average of four thousand reads a year, and I can tell you that out of those four thousand, thirty eight hundred of them are half inch reads. Yeah, so I know the populace out there is a half inch style. That the gray amp is half inch. So if anybody out there is unsure or struggling with reads, yes, you're either you either have a very old read or you're using a read that doesn't fit you. Get a half-inch read, because even if you have a large pallet, you can still use a half-inch. Yeah. But if you have an average to small, you cannot use a 5-8. So and that's on the app. So yeah. people need to understand that. You know, and the app will help you to choose a read for, for who you are. And, 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 and there's three video clips on it. But anyway, the point is, is in your question, the gray amp for me is one of the absolute best reads I've ever used. Cool. It's absolutely fantastic. And I have one right here. <laughs> I'll, 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 nice. I'll let it sing for you. Yeah, give me a toot. Okay, I'll do some things right here. This a brand new one. Little tight. So you can see, you can just go through a cow call, and then you can just go right through it to a bugle if you want. Yeah. And, and, and that's all I was doing, just showing you that it would do just about anything you want. I mean, you can grind chuck or you can do anything with it. But 
the gray ant just has a lot of versatility, I and mean, that's why I personally call it an all-purpose reef. They don't call it that. I do. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, I just, because uh, I've, I've got a couple, well, up here, Phelps, Phelps calls are a little bit hard to find. Uh, so we got a lot of Primos, Rocky Mountain, uh, Wayne Carlton stuff. Um, well, there's a guy there in, uh, there in Canada that makes them, the Wapadai River Outdoors. Okay, yeah, he's out of Grand Prairie. I know him, yeah. And he actually makes some really good calls. His name's Travis. Yeah. And I've used his calls before. Gotcha. And they're, and they're really good. Okay, uh, I'll have to give I'm him a show. I think that one he has called the Black Widow. I think it was called yeah. the Black Widow that I really, really liked Yeah, I've seen that. And so, like I say, I... I just use so many of them, but I really do like that gray amp. Yeah. You, you know, there's just something about it. No, it's the good way to find that one that's versatile that you can get through the yeah. full range and, 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 and not that have read, to be I just flipping. I opened that read today, so yeah. it's a little tight. Yeah. And so the cow sounds weren't as pure as they will be when pitchy. I work it for another five to ten minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a good read. Believe me, it's real good. But, yeah, Travis, he actually has, like I said, some really good ones. Yeah. And, um, yeah, check out some of his. You know, maybe you would, you maybe you'd prefer him over Jason's. I don't know, but it it doesn't hurt to check. You know, one of them at least a single read. Go to the single reads because that's where your versatility is. Yeah. When you start going to your doubles, two and a half and triples, they, get hard it, they are the most difficult thing in the world to cow call with. Yeah. They're too tight, yeah, and so the sure. tension is is real. It's a real struggle, especially if you're a newer caller. And, and, and when guys are starting to learn how to call, they should actually use the center of their tongue as a contact point on their latex. Most guys, you need to take the tip of your tongue and touch the bottom of your teeth, inside of your teeth at the gum line. And with the reed in your mouth, that will automatically place the center of your tongue on the reed. Yeah. Okay? So, so, so and, and that's how you're going to get your easiest calling and your startup. And, you know, you just kind of play with it from there. And the best way to get sounds, if you're a newer hunter, you don't blow. You say the word shh like you're like you have your finger up and you're telling your your children to hey shh, shh, be quiet. Yeah, that's what you're doing to get a cow sound out. You touch it and go shh, shh. so you're not blowing air. You're just being very quiet and calm with it, and you'll hear it go yeah yeah yeah. It'll start making little sounds, and so that's how guys should get started. Then they can you know escalate from there and just make it pitchy and drop their tone and. Tighter tongue pressure, less tongue pressure, it changes the notes. So it's just something to think about uh, as a newer hunter to make sure you use a single read and, uh, you know, working, working a little bit, understand, just use the word shh, and, you, and, and you'll, you'll notice that once you start getting cow sounds, that it's easy to do bull sounds because cow sounds and bull sounds are the same thing. And all you're doing with a cow sound This yeah. is all in your app as well. Right? Yeah, I show it all in there. Yeah, no, that's that good. Way, that, that's that, why that's an awesome app. It goes from everything. Yeah, people can go from A to Z in it and learn a little bit of everything in between. You you go to that app and you start going through it and you start applying principles. Yeah. Everything that we talk about, because these are proven, you know, you're going to start calling elk in. You're going to kill elk. I mean, I don't care where you go. I've hunted seven states with this. It doesn't make any difference. They're elk or elk. They have the same language. It doesn't matter if you're in Canada or if you're in California or Idaho or Montana. It's all the same. Yeah. What changes things is pressured elk. When you're hunting a lot of elk in pressured areas where a lot of people are hammering them, it will be that there's a difference between hunting them and get and finding a more secluded area where the elk see few to no people, 
and it can be an over-the-counter tag. Yeah. Just seek out areas that most people don't want to hunt, and you'll find that these elk are so much more callable. The difference is, when I'm hunting an area that sees very few people, I call those bulls in, and half the time it takes to call in a pressure bull. I have to almost convince him and prove to him that I'm the real thing. And I can see it easily taking 20 minutes, whereas on unpressured elk that see few hunters to no hunters, I'm usually calling them in within five, seven, eight minutes. And that's the average. So that's the difference there between pressured elk and unpressured elk is usually there's that. But you've got to sell yourself on these pressured elk. If you don't, yeah. you're going to find that uh, you're not killing very many of them. You're not calling them in. You just so educate them. You're not them. doing it right. Yeah, you're just not doing it right. You have to. You you ha- you're going to have to adjust your thinking and maybe your calling technique. Yeah. So, but but there is ways to call them in because we do it every single year. So yes, I know sir. if I can do it, they can do it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's why I share this information because a lot of people are going. Well, if you can do it, that's great. But how do I do it? I mean, what do I do? Here That's you go. Here is the right app. There. Yeah. It's like having me in your pocket. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I, just, I pour my heart out into that thing. Oh, I yeah. show them exactly. I don't hold nothing back. I try to show them, here's what I'm doing. Here's what we're doing as a group, and we're all taking them. You know, so, yeah, it is. It's literally like having me right there at your disposal that here is the way I'm thinking how I would handle a specific situation because all those Options are in there under each individual sound on how I handle them. Yeah. So hopefully it'll help some other people out there. That's that's all I really care about. No, I'm sure it will. That's uh, that's a good one. And and I mean, up in this neck of the woods, we're fortunate enough. Our rifle season opens in our northern zones on the 17th of September. So oh wow, we yeah, slip in good. there, uh, get camp set up for a few days, maybe ahead of time, yeah. do a little scouting, and then. On the seventeenth, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, we're filling freezer, so <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, I think the pe- I think most hunters' biggest deficit yeah. to them because I'm out there all the time. The biggest thing that they face, and and they need to conquer. They need to conquer their fear of not calling. Yeah, because people don't call enough. They honestly don't. They think that they're going to run everything out of the country, and they're probably right because mm-hmm. when you have a fear of calling, it's like having a fear of using. Uh, driver golfing yeah. you don't put the practice in you can't hit it with a crap it hooks and slices it goes everywhere so you have no faith in it instead of instead of figuring it out and working it out they just put it away well that's what happens with calling when they can't bugle they can bugle and they, and they don't know what they're saying and they're chasing things off and elk are seeing where they're calling from because they call from dumb spots yeah. where an elk just can look up the mountain and turn around and look right down into the valley where they're standing <laughs> in the open you know you got to be smart you got to, you, you can't let these things, it's like someone standing up at the top of the mountain hollering, look up and you see them. I've had guys do that. Me, you know, I Sitting mean, there and bugling their head off and they're just glaring in the sun on the face <laughs> and you're watching them <laughs> you down in the bottom smart, shaking right. your head going, jeez, man, come on. Yep. And you're, and you're looking at him <laughs> as a guy. Huh? Yeah. Idiot. I mean, all an elk has to do, wherever it is, turn, turn around and look right in your direction. And yeah. it sees you. And now it turns around and walks away. And now I got to turn around and get out of there time. because you just blew everything That's right. out of there. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You see, so <laughs> a lot of those things come into play. It doesn't mean you shouldn't call. It just means you have to be smarter where you call from. Use, you know, some common sense. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, you cool. get the idea. Yeah. Well, Paul, I really appreciate you talking with me. Um, 
if you ever get the inkling to get up this way, uh, we can uh, get you set up with the uh, hunter host. Uh, and yeah, you guys could get up here and shoot some elk. All right. That sounds but, like an uh, awesome offer. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, and, uh, I mean, I do, I do some moose guiding as well. So I know you guys oh. have a, a host of podcast with, uh, God Game Tech. And, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, if yes, you ever, you ever guys need somebody to talk uh, a little bit of moose talk with, I'm down for that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. I'll yeah. let him know. You No problem. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, like I said, thanks again for talking with me, Paul. I'm just going to get you to hang tough here for a second, and I'll I'll wrap this up. Um, okay. So thanks a lot, everybody. Really appreciate you checking us out. Uh, any feedback or comments can go to the show email at uh, hopodcast at hotmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I am out of here.